This is Daniel Fagella. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. This is where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you want to play a part in AI strategy and the ROI of AI projects, but you're not the person writing the code, you found yourself listening to the right show. Today is Monday, so that means it is our AI success factors episode. Every Monday, we cover a 10 to 15 minute episode where we highlight one AI use case, and we highlight the most important factor to lead that use case to a positive ROI. And in today's episode, we are talking about the use of AI for decision support. What I mean by that is what we refer to internally here at Emerge as external search. There's a company called Signal AI here in London. I am recording this intro and I recorded this episode from London. Uh, Signal has raised over $100 million. One of Signal's co-founders was on the show nearly five long years ago by the name of Miguel. If you go to podcast.emerge.com, you can type in Miguel or Signal and you can listen to that episode from back in the day. Uh, But they've grown a lot since then. Again, raised over $100 million and they're working on leveraging AI to pull in and make sense of various data streams from out in the world, whether it be social media data, uh, news data, compliance updates in specific industries, etc., and turning that into dashboards and actionable insights for analysts who need to be able to make sense of these unlimited data streams floating out in the world. In this particular episode, we speak to Emily Bremner. She's uh, SVP of product there at Signal. She's actually an American originally, although she's working for this London-based firm. And she talks to us about their work with Deloitte. Deloitte is obviously one of the world's largest audit and accounting firms, but they're also a giant when it comes to IT services as well. And they've been working with Signal for quite some time. Emily speaks about how they've partnered with Signal and how they measured success. This is an interesting episode because it doesn't necessarily have to do with one particular success metric. It has more to do with the qualitative results that the analysts and the folks working at Deloitte have pulled away from their work with Signal. And in this case, in addition to leveraging the technology for their own decisions, really their biggest use case is using this kind of streamlined information and these kind of dashboards to support and retain relationships with clients. So it's cool to be able to see what made this project stick. It's been a long-term partnership with them, so certainly Deloitte's gotten a lot of value out of Signal. And I think it's really insightful, not only in terms of how this external search technology can enhance decision-making, but also in terms of how ROI is measured. What does leadership care about when they're actually paying for an AI project? There's a lot of insights in this episode. If this episode is slightly worse in terms of audio quality than our usual episodes, I will ask you to forgive me. I am recording this introduction from a London hotel. I caught COVID when I got here, and I have had to stay in London now for over two weeks. So a very, very long period of time locked within four walls, about 12 of those days. I have not seen the outside of this one hotel room. So I'm recording this on my laptop as opposed to my normal audio studio back in Boston where I have my fancy microphone and all the rest of that. But the show must go on. And I wanted to make sure that our Success Factors episodes could kick out. We learned a lot of great stuff out here in London with some fantastic companies, obviously Signal among them. uh, And I wanted to get this episode out to you. So I hope you enjoy this one. Without further ado, let's fly right in. This is Emily with Signal AI here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Emily, welcome onto the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad we're able to dive in on our AI success factor series with you guys. And I wanted to chat first. I know you have a very big client to talk about here today. So I'd love to open up with who was the client and what was the problem? You guys are in the decision augmentation space, searching through external data sources, lots of different customers you work with. Who are we talking about today? 
Yeah, we're talking about a partnership that we have had with Deloitte for the last few years. And what was their particular problem? If we could just go into kind of why they came to you, what the interaction was in the first place and in kind of business terms. Yeah, sure, of course. So this was with the tax firm within Deloitte. Obviously, it's a it's a massive organization, so a lot of different use cases and, and teams. And essentially, with the kind of proliferation of regulatory change and the number of jurisdictions that they were responsible for covering for some of their biggest clients who worked globally, it was impossible to keep on track of that regulatory change and also those signals of regulatory change. And so they had a process that involved them working with their domain experts country by country and were sort of cobbled together, you know, deep, deep domain expertise that they built, obviously, over years in this space. But to kind of do that in almost real time was proving next to impossible. And so we at the time were kind of early stage in our journey, and we had built a technology that allowed us to to train any kind of context into our AI to allow us to kind of create much more relevance out of a diverse data space. And so we partnered with them to basically bring their tax domain expertise and train it into our technology so that they could look after a large client base across these jurisdictions and only be seeing the kind of most relevant content and be seeing it as quickly as possible across that broad regulatory space. Got it. And what did this look like, I guess, before being able to leverage AI to pull all of this stuff together? I mean, 100 folks each building their own, you know, Word doc and then cobbling them together in some kind of cloud space. I mean, what, what, what did this look like beforehand? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that's not far from correct. <laughs> okay. I mean, you, you know, this actually isn't Deloitte, but you'd be surprised how many customers have Excel spreadsheets with very important business strategic information. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was, you know, it was a Herculean effort of different domain experts across different regions. And then one kind of localized client owner, you know, bringing those different pieces together. And, and through our platform, obviously, you, you can look at content across a global jurisdiction, you can translate that content. You can look across all these different regulators, and you can also drill down into the specific regulatory area you're interested in. So I think the, the main value that we brought was obviously the time saving, but also the, the risk reduction, because it was almost impossible to not miss some of these changes, or more importantly, some of these signals of change. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're looking at a small jurisdiction, it's really easy to have your finger on the pulse. If you're looking at 150 jurisdictions, that's next to impossible. And so our technology, because we were actually able to understand their brief and they were able to train it into our AI, we could then apply that. So they were only seeing the kind of content that fit that brief of what kind of signals regulatory change they were concerned about. Got it. Um, And so, you know, we're getting into kind of the how they were positively impacted. And this is the whole focus of this particular series. You talked about time savings. You talked about risk reduction. Both of those are sometimes actually really challenging to quantify. We'll, We'll get into your take on it in a second. But I just happen to know from so many interviews, often time savings is funky because a workflow is normally not, it's not, AI often does not affect every step in a workflow. It affects junctures of a workflow. And normally yes. we don't have people standing over someone's shoulder with one of those little stopwatches clicking when they start this juncture and then end this juncture and breaking that down in some kind of like, uh, uh, you know, 1920s time series analysis or something like that, a physical work, you know, it's often not done. So being able to measure time savings is often tough because it's, it's little snippets where this comes in. It's not like someone sits down and it, you, they used to sit down for four straight hours and do this one thing. It's like, no, they flick this source open at this point, this source open at this point. When the heck is the time reduction happen? So that's that's tough. Risk reduction is obviously tough as well. You know, okay, we found these new signals. They feel really exciting. They feel really valuable. How do we quantify that? And maybe we don't have to quantify it for it to be a useful business case, by the way. I'm not saying you would need to in order for them to say that you guys were valuable. But I would like to get a sense 
what were the results that you guys were able to kind of measure and extract from from this engagement? Obviously, you know, this is a, a partnership that you guys have had for a while. How was success measured here? What happened? Yeah, I mean, I think the dynamics that you're talking about are absolutely true. And probably what drove the deepening of this relationship and the expanding into uh, Deloitte using this across more of their clients wasn't the time saving and the risk reduction. It was the insights that we were able to arm those client partners with to go to their end clients. Because, you know, when you're in an advisory relationship, your ability to stay on top of these issues and actually raise things with your very intelligent end clients who sometimes almost know as much or more than you do is invaluable. And so I think really what sold this, and I mean, it's quantifiable in anecdotes, but were the number of times that they found an insight using our technology that then enabled them to broaden out and have a, a larger conversation and then potentially create actually an additional opportunity for client revenue. And that's kind of what actually, I think, flipped the switch much more than, as you say, the the risk reduction piece, which excites a section of the organization. But it's a question of whether that section of the organization is the part that has the buying power for organizations like ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, and this is interesting, you know, because it does tie to more of kind of an offense value proposition. And maybe it makes them look smart, too, when it's sort of like, hey, you know, we have this partnership with this big fancy AI, and here's some of the patterns and charts and graphs that we found. And then it's like, ooh, Deloitte's really bright, you know, part of it, there's there's like a certain amount of wow that I guess goes along with that. It's interesting to hear that that offense really was kind of the bigger selling point for them. Can we go to our customers and be the expert? Even that, I I, I would imagine hardly anybody's quantifying that. I mean, they, they're just kind of coming back to you and saying, hey, we talked to 40 of the people that are using this. They watched your training. They kind of did it with some of their check-in calls. It looks like most of them really think this is, you know, pretty useful. I think we should kind of keep keep going for next year. Uh, it seems like that would be about the level of check-in that we could do on this, but you let me know if it actually is more granular than that. No, you know, I think I think it is. And I think that comes down to, and I'm going to maybe preempt you a little bit in terms of our success factor yeah, go here. For it. I, think, I think it really was because of how closely we were working with Deloitte. We don't, you know, we were talking about automate previously. We don't come in to kind of be a vendor to, to automate something that, you know, you were doing that was time consuming. I mean, like, it really is about how we augment you and make you more effective in your role. So, so we actually will support an end user with their client engagement and actually speak about like how can they use our technology. And then, of course, that gets replicated. We're not kind of white gloving each individual iteration of the product, but it's really about our ability to understand and see which are the kinds of insights that are driving them to be able to create more revenue that leads to the stickiness. Huh. Okay. So, are you, if I'm hearing you correctly, there's some kind of defining of what are the sorts of client conversations and insight-oriented conversations that we have that tend to lead to retention or tend to lead to new business projects. And then there's some way of being able to quantify, do we have now more of those to be able to bring to those conversations or not? Again, feels tough to put a finger on in all frankness. But again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's perfectly fine if they... Uh, no, I think I, no, I think it is. Look, I mean, I think we're at the early age of adopting a lot of this technology yep. and using it. And so I think, you know, in Deloitte and, you know, full credit to them for being a really effective partner, it was about finding those value levers together. It yeah. wasn't a just kind of out of the box sell for us of like, you know, let us give you a kind of list of insights that's then going to make you money. It, it was us, you know, working together to identify those moments and those opportunities. Got it. So this is cool. And I think it's a worthwhile take home point for the folks that are tuned in, because I think a lot of people assume, well, at the end of the day, in order for somebody to keep working with a vendor, somebody's got to be able to go to a boss and say, boss, we made X more dollars or boss, we saved Y more dollars, whatever the case may be, right? 
But I think what you're bringing up, which is a super important point, and I think we we find this oodles of other times with other vendors, is that in your case, it, it doesn't even sound like there is one particular workflow juncture that you guys measured. Like, oh yeah, th- these two parts of the process, we cut the time in half. It sounds like, I mean, that's not even been part of our conversation here. And then the same thing on the risk side. Yeah, it gets some people excited, but whatever. It's more of the, hey, we worked really closely with the people that need these insights to grow the darn business and keep the business. We tailored it to what their needs were. Yeah, you know what? Maybe it's tough to exactly put a finger on, but the users and kind of their their bosses who probably pull the purse strings here believed that this was the kind of armament we needed in order to move forward with our customers in a productive way. And, and maybe there is no way to put an exact finger on it, but we know it's something we want to keep investing in. Sometimes that is the case. It kind of feels like maybe that's a takeaway lesson here is that that's often more than good enough to have an enterprise engage active and, and you know eager to, to keep working with you. Let me know if you want to add to that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think I would add, it depends on what is the real value you're delivering. Like if it is something that's quite transactional, then obviously as a business, you need to be able to speak to that in a scaled way. And that that's quite a like linear, like you saved 10 hours on this process. And we know that's X, Y value to your bottom line. But I think with the kind of technology that we have, which is kind of at the cutting edge, it is much more about understanding hey, we're bringing this analysis, we're bringing these kind of connections and insights that you wouldn't previously have access to. You help us figure out how that's useful to your organization. And together, then let's quantify that value. And it's definitely a more collaborative sales process. In a lot of cases, it's a more collaborative working relationship. But for where the technology is and for where I've seen AI succeed in the enterprise, that's what I've seen much more. I mean, there are point solutions which you spoke about, and they're absolutely powerful. But I think we kind of need to be very aware of where the technology is and the fact that it is still requiring this nuanced journey. And I think it also still requires champions. You know, oh, this definitely. this isn't this isn't like buying an IBM, you know, totally risk free. No, no, no. It's somebody who who wants to understand how the future could look different. Yeah. And so, you know, hats off to our, our sponsors and the individual we work with. But I think whether this is, you know, a business listening who's looking to buy AI or another AI business, we kind of can't cut those quarters, unfortunately, yet. Big time. I mean, yeah, it, it would be very, very hard to get to the kind of nuanced bespoke value that you're talking about without really tight partnership with who you're working on. And so I guess that takes us to our final question in the series. We're making great time here and we've covered what the use case is. And also, I think a very important dynamic about ROI and how it relates to quantifiability, quote unquote. Last question that we ask in this series is around the success factor that made this project work. So there's so many factors that can make a project go wrong, as you're well aware. There's data stuff, there's culture stuff, there's leadership changes within the client or changes in the industry, whatever. When you think about the biggest factor that actually allowed this partnership to succeed and really turn into value and continue to evolve, what would you put your finger on there? What was a really important lesson that maybe other AI buyers and sellers could learn from? Yeah, I think I think for us, I mean, you, you know, you talk about kind of the anti-hype. It's not requiring any kind of technical expertise, but being really real with your customer about what your technology is really good at and what it's not good at. And of course, you know, it's your job to deliver value for them against their brief. But I think we did a lot of kind of busting myths of what AI is and what natural language processing yeah. is and what it can do. And the more realistic and the more we took people on the journey to explain, this is super powerful stuff, but these are the limitations of where it's not going to behave like a human, the much more meaningful engagements that we had and the much more quickly things went. So I, I guess, don't you know, don't be shy of that. Big time. Well, and, and this is, I mean, you know, setting expectations, is, as you can imagine, probably not the first time we've heard this on the show uh, in terms of what, sure. what what permits vendors to be successful. Would it be safe to say, we're talking about Deloitte specifically here, would you say that sort of 
clear expectation setting off the get with your champions and other stakeholders was, if you could put a finger on it, kind of the big one for this turning into value, or would you define it differently with Deloitte? No, I, th- I think with Deloitte, it was clear expectation management and really demystifying AI. Maybe it's yeah. not just expectation management because that can apply in a lot of different contexts. I think there's just this there's this mystery, this kind of fanciness huh. of, oh, this mythical AI. But be really specific about what it is. Don't shy away. You know, Have people in your organization that can break it down super simply. It doesn't need to be complex. You don't need to have a data science degree to understand what almost any company does if you have yeah. an effective communicator. Do the work to really communicate what it is in a clear, easy way, and it's going to just work much better. And that's what we found on Deloitte. Got it. So uh, going in, and, and there is a, an element of expectations. What can this do? What can this not do? But I think you're also identifying maybe another dimension of this, which is directly busting myths. In other words, there might be some existing assumptions around how this stuff could operate or what it means. Let's just have a really clear, frank way with a conceptual, non-technical understanding of saying exactly what we do and putting a realistic mm-hmm. bounding box on, on what it actually can do. And let's have the whole conversation exist under that umbrella. Um, it sounds like for you guys, 100%. that was really critical. Yeah. yeah. Because if you start outside that umbrella and then you get some initial ink signed, at some point, somebody's going to have expectations in that big outside circle, and then you're going to have to reel them in later. And then that's that's not great. So myth busting expectation setting sounds like big takeaways. Yeah, cool. I think that's right. All right. Well, I think those are transferable lessons for essentially anybody tuned in, whether you be buyer or seller. We're 15 minutes on the dot. Emily, we did great on this one. Thanks so much for being with us in this series. Great. Thanks, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI in Business podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this AI success factors episode. I thought that the measurement of success was one of the most interesting elements here. And it really does highlight something we've seen with other companies. That is to say, it's not necessarily, oh, we made X amount more money or we lost X amount less money, you know, better efficiencies. Sometimes it's, hey, do we feel like this is working? Do we feel like this is giving more value to our clients? Do we feel like this is supportive in a way that's building our credibility, retaining and opening up our relationships with clients. Sometimes that can't be measured. And Emily was pretty frank about the fact that, you know, maybe there isn't one specific metric, but sometimes that kind of qualitative feel from the real users is enough to get a stakeholder to continue to pay for a solution. And so in terms of measuring ROI and putting that in action and actually getting AI to have teeth and truly be deployed and be used long-term, I thought that that was a transferable insight and hopefully something that's useful for those of you who are tuned in. I've really enjoyed this series of AI success factors. Again, going into individual actual named client projects, talking about what was successful and why a project worked. I hope you're getting a lot out of these as well. And I hope you've had some fun exploring some of our London episodes in this AI Success Factors series. We have many, many more London episodes to come. Uh, We've gotten in a lot of great episodes, some in person, some on the phone during my trip and my kind of speaking engagements out here in London. So more of that to come. And tomorrow we're getting right back into the normal groove. Again, remember Monday we cover AI Success Factors. And every Tuesday we cover AI trends and use cases. So we've got much more of that tomorrow. We're going to be talking about CyberSec in insurance and where AI fits in to add value in that workflow. That is coming up tomorrow. So stay tuned. I look forward to having you with us then, and I'll catch you in the next episode. 